Welcome to episode 18 of the Paul Norton podcast. Now, in today's episode, I'm joined by a female coach based here in Sydney. Amanda McLoon has very similar views in how she coaches all her clients, and we had an amazing chat about all things female and all things training. Amanda goes under the name of Coach McLoon, which you can find her on Instagram. I learned so much little nuggets from this podcast and I know you are going to learn so much from this as well. As always, make sure you share, you know, tag if you have friends that need some help or you have friends that would enjoy the podcast and even if you enjoy the podcast. The, the last couple of weeks to share it has been amazing, the DMs and the emails, so I'm really glad these podcasts are helping. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy this podcast. But I guess first of all, like, thanks for coming on. And I guess it'd be better for you to, you know, who you are and what you do and go yeah. from there. Perfect. Um, so my name is Amanda. Um, I am better known probably on uh, social media as Coach McLoon. I actually very recently changed my name on um, on social media. I was actually clean and lean, sporty girl. Um, <laughs> when I first started in the fitness industry back about seven years ago, I thought it was a really appropriate name because... I was into clean eating, being lean was a goal of mine, and I was very sporty. Um, but I actually feel that all those things have probably changed um, in the last few years. So I felt that um, I was, you know, gearing more towards, as opposed to everything being about aesthetics and clean eating and this approach that uh, seven years ago I thought was great. Um, I've changed a lot, and I think coach is definitely the better term to use for myself um I suppose that just came with age as well um I am a fully qualified nutritionist so that is actually my main degree uh, why I got into the fitness industry was I had a huge background in GA um, and I was really really interested in um sports and fitness and um, so I suppose when I came out of college I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my nutrition degree but it just seemed like the right thing to do um to have health and fitness I went on to do um, personal training and fitness instruction and actually since then I've probably worked mostly uh, within the gym setting on the gym floor uh, before I came over to Australia I was actually running a gym um, in Roscommon uh, that's where I'm from by the way um, and uh, yeah I absolutely loved it really really loved it um, but I just had this urge of me that I wanted to come to Australia and do something new and see something new so um, I ended up leaving that job and uh, came over here with um, nothing I suppose and um, I had kind of been doing a little bit of online coaching on the side while I was working in um, the gym I just testing it just seeing what it was going to be like and I suppose I just wanted to broaden um, my who I could help was the biggest thing that's why I really wanted to get into online coaching because if you're in a certain area you can only help the people in that area um, and I really wanted to be able to I suppose broaden uh, the scope of practice and uh, so I was just doing it a little bit on the side and I went on then to come over here get a job with a company um, called Own It Fit and I am now doing online coaching more or less full-time with them um, I do a little bit of outdoor training and a little bit of um uh, in-person coaching but other than that mainly online coaching and um, so that is mostly about me do you work with many females or males or as a mix 
Um, it is mixed, but definitely um, a higher percentage of females. Um, probably about 90, 95% females. How do you find the differences in, in working with males and females? What's your, I know, I know for me, I actually find it so much easier working for, with females. Like, I know it sounds crazy, but like, I can help uh, females so much more than I help males. Males just seem to, they always seem to complain and have something. Whereas for me, like females seems to be, I know female body is a lot more complex, but for me, females is far more easier to, to help get results. So it's really funny that you asked that question. When I was at home and on the gym floor, I probably preferred working with males. And that was probably because I felt females are just so like hard on themselves. They have so many things going on. They are so focused on that one goal of weight loss, weight loss, weight loss, that they nearly couldn't see past that. Um, so when I was working on the gym floor, I just found that men just came in, got it done and went home. And uh, so that was much easier. But from doing that, I realized that females need more help. Um, and they really do need that extra, you know, whatever extra it is that you can give them. Whereas being on the gym floor, you know, I was only training them. I was there, they came in for an hour, whatever it may be, see you later, go home. Um, I felt that there was a, probably a bit of a, um, a, an opening there to actually give them what they need as opposed to what they think they want as well. Um, so that kind of brought the idea of wanting to get in with more females um i think i had a, a skewed misconception of females as well um i just thought that you know we complain a lot um and we complain a lot because we do actually have a lot to complain about uh, when it comes to our bodies and how difficult um health and fitness can be for ourselves um and i suppose in the last few years and i said this to you paul that i've changed my views on things so it's made me realize um, the change that the, the difficulty that women actually have um, in the health and fitness industry. And it's not just as simple as, you know, program and giving them a simple program and there you go, that's going to help you lose weight, you know. Um, so if you had asked me three years ago, I would have said I would have preferred working with men because of um, if I felt that it was a little bit easier at the time. But now, definitely, I really, really enjoy being able to help women. Yeah, I'm a real advocate of, of like females too. And like I was in the gym floor for about three or four years and I was kind of a bit naive. And I used to, when I was training males and females, I kind of trained the very same, you know, the same programs. Mm -hmm. And it was only about two years ago um, I was training a girl and she was doing really well. And then the, the week before she was getting PBs and then all of a sudden then the, the week she got injured. And I couldn't understand why this was. And I started doing more research and research. And then I started learning about the menstrual cycle. And I found out then that that week that she got injured was actually week four, so the week before she was due. And mm -hmm. since then, like, I went down a rabbit hole. And I've just been the last, like, 15, 16 months learning. And it's just amazing, like, how different, like, males and females' bodies are. And for me, like, even now, like, so much females and my clients, they still get obsessed with the weight. And I guess it'd be good from your point of view to... Like why you shouldn't look at the scales? Yeah, so that is such a good question. Um, like because our bodies are so complex, and that's the only way to describe them is complex, unfortunately. Um, 
things are going to change at different phases in our cycle. Um, and if you are just focusing on one criteria, i.e. a scale weight, um, and say you are due a check-in with your coach on uh, the week of your luteal phase. Um, and for those of you who don't know, that is the week before your period. Um, your body fluctuations could make you go up in weight from between one and four kilos. And I know that people will find that so, so difficult to understand, but a scale weight is just not a good enough determinant of how you're progressing alone, alone. Um, and I think that as females, you know, you can have a goal and you can have a weight loss goal and you can have a body composition goal. But I think you need to look outside the uh, scope of just a scale weight. Um, I definitely focus a lot on uh, body measurements and progress photos, especially progress photos. Um, and people hate doing them initially, absolutely hate it, especially the first one. But they are without a doubt the best um the best way to see changes within your body. Uh, whereas, and I've had clients, I have had women who have lost zero kg on the scales, zero, um, but their body shape and their body change and body composition has been outstanding. Unreal, it's, uh, that's the one thing, is like most of my clients, even transformation on my Instagram page, the weight never really changed. And I'm really big on pictures. Like even the last like four or five weeks, like I generally, with my clients is I'll always try every week, maybe send them a picture and, point out where they've seen the changes because they they even for me like i i done them um, i've lost 26 kg since last year but even for oh me God. Like, yeah i know man, yeah. but it took 15 months but even now i find it hard to see the difference and that's just your body is so self-critical like everything your body your mind is designed to like go the easy option always think of the worst possible scenario and that's why my clients are really big on getting pictures and showing the difference because that's where you see results but there's this whole thing of like everyone is just so fixed on the scales and the scales but the scales you know if you have a lot of carbs carbs aren't bad but if you have too much carbs you're going to hold water if you're stressed you'll hold water like i think that's the biggest thing that even now people understand how big like stress and plays a massive part in what the weight says yeah definitely and like i think that the the veer away from the scales is slowly but surely occurring but like i can't believe how obsessed people get with scales you know like i've had clients telling me that previous to maybe uh, doing coaching with me, they would have weighed themselves in, like in the morning, before eating, after eating, in the evening, like four or five times a day. Um, and like, I just don't understand how somebody thinks that their worth lies in a number. Like it's so hard to understand that they think that their worth lies in a number. And I think that that's as well where the whole uh, mental side of weight loss or um, a body composition or whatever um, your goal is comes in because like to tell somebody that their work flies in a in a scale number or a clothes size is just craziness it's horrific isn't it mm, it's so sad fitness just seems to be as i was saying before fitness just seems to be it goes through these cycles and as i was saying like the kind of error now is the calorie deficit and you know it's lose weight you have to be in deficit but i think there's the way people go about things and people view things is that you have to kind of count calories to, to lose weight or be in the gym four times a day. And for me, and I think you're the same as you're trying to go away from that because it's the, the mindset and the mental side of it is far more superior. If you can get someone that's in a good mindset and loves what they see in the mirror, then calories and stuff comes so much easier. 
Yeah, definitely. And what I've found as well is, you know, some clients will come to me with a specific weight loss goal or a specific, you know, number in their head or a, a, a date in their head or uh, maybe a, a clothes size in their head, whatever it may be. And over the process of coaching with myself, they see that the, the, the change is not necessarily in the scales or in the photos or in the um, the clothes size or whatever it may be, but it's actually in their heads and their perceptions of what health is. Um, so, you know, as I said, like people will say, okay, I want to be 60 kgs by the 12th of June, whatever it may be. But they then start understanding that like, why do they want to be um, 60 kgs by the 12th of June like you know they they get I, I try to get them more into the why um, and understanding um, the mental how much mentally they are I, I'm really muttering here now a little bit but how the mental side of that comes about like how I, I, I'm really like blabbing on here but <laughs> it does make sense when I'm actually yeah. talking to clients about it um, because I'm thinking of a specific um, situation but yeah it's it's not necessarily that that close size or that date is the relevant um yeah. number it's actually more um what you can do to get there and how you change your mindset um to get to that point yeah, i think we're, we're, we're very very similar I, i've got the same approach everything has to have a why and you know my why is obviously my mum trying to get people not to go through she went through but when any if i any female i coach or take on and they say they want to lose weight well it has to be reason why like there's no point i'm quite strict as that i won't take on anyone that wants to you know lose weight just to be in a page three magazine because that's not about me but i'd rather take on you know mum or someone that's struggling with the weight loss so they can feel more confident in their own skin and you don't have to have a certain date you know and, and a goal but if you have as you say why and a reason why you want to do it well you want to lose weight to feel better in your own skin feel confident to you know, feel sexy when you look in the mirror. They're, they're to me, are quite powerful wise. They're like, absolutely. They'll, they'll push you any direction you want. But I think for females, you know, there's just so much pressure on them to look a certain way, especially in Bondi. I remember um, when I first came to Bondi last year, there was a male and female doing a photo shoot down at the beach here. And I remember clear as day, like they were, they, they were putting makeup on their stretch marks with cellulite and it was just... Oh no, And that's, that's so sad to hear. And that's what happens. It's just it's the way this industry is. It's kind of it's a very pretentious industry, isn't it? And there's so much pressure yeah. on females to look a certain way. And but again, I suppose from your point of view as a female, like why do females hold weight in the lower area? That's why. Do, that's the one of the biggest questions I get is why can't people lose weight in lower area? Um, yeah. So that's and it's such a stressful thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's always it's always that spot reduced area. Why can't <laughs> we spot reduce that one area that we really, really want to. Um, and unfortunately, our lovely hormonal bodies just don't allow us to spot reduce. Um, and that is a big problem as well, I think, within the area is um, these fads, number one, and these products and these um, waist trainers and all these things that are telling you that you're going to get these results. 
um, when it is just physically impossible to spot reduce anything. And it's definitely physically impossible to do it with a waist trainer. Um, I suppose the, the main area for that lovely little pouch that us ladies get um, would be because we have a uterus in there. Um, you know, and I think that sometimes women forget that and especially mammies. Um, Think of what your body has just went through. I'm not fortunate enough to be able to talk um, from that perspective, but I do understand the physiology and the anatomy of the human body. And you have to think of what happened to your body when you were pregnant. Um, and I know, Paul, you're probably similar to me in that you probably have a lot of mothers out there uh, maybe who have multiple children and they can't yes. understand how they can't get rid of this. You have to be so like amazed by how what you've done with your body um and that has to have it there has to be an impact um to that on your body there just has to be you know um especially if you've carried multiple children in there it is going to be like very 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 difficult to lose that little pouch but don't forget why you have it um, and as opposed to looking at it like a thing that you hate or a thing that really annoys you or frustrates you think of it as the fact that like you're a mother this is amazing you have just brought children into the world you know um and yeah look I know it's a frustrating area for women I do get it all the time I remember so vividly having this one lady when I was living at home and like she was super strong she was um really into her training she had an incredible physique and all she could focus on was this little pouch she had two kids and i kept trying to explain to her like the amazing element of having children and being able to do that um, and being able to bring a child into the world um, but she just couldn't see past it um, now thankfully since i have been speaking to her and she is in a very 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 good headspace um, when it comes to it but again she was just focusing on how she looked as opposed to how she felt and what an amazing job that she has done being a mother. So sure I know I kind of went a little bit roundabout there, but I think <laughs> that that has to be emphasized. Oh, definitely. It's just a, and it's just a big area that females struggle with too is, is that like lower area. But even in general, females are always going to hold weight in the lower area anyhow because you know yourself, like your body the female's body has the best defense mechanisms. Like it's not gonna, it wants to keep that fat for as long as possible. And Absolutely. I, you know, they've done, I think they've done um, some sort of a study years and years ago in base camps and they had a male and a female and they starved two of them, but the male actually died before the female. So the female was, was able to survive being starvation because she's so much fat and low area to make her survive. And I think, that, yeah. I think, that, I think that's fascinating. The more you learn about them, actually is, yeah. it's amazing like what the female body will do to keep you alive. But again, so much, um, even my clients don't realize that how it works. But for me, when I coach my females, not sure what you do, but I'll, I'll try like diet and train them on two weeks of the month. So like two weeks a month, we're trying to diet and train. And then for yeah. the two, two weeks, we're trying to just be maintenance levels. What's your views yeah. on that? Um, that's a really good approach to um, go by because obviously it is, difficult enough on the body it's stressful enough on the body to be in different phases of our cycle and um, so by adding a lot of extra stress like diet and um, like excess exercise it is very hard to um, be in those being in that be in that deficit be uh, where you're putting your body under more and more stress at all um, during those two weeks and um, so yeah I would definitely agree with that now I suppose every individual is quite different um, and what I try to do is really get the women to 
I suppose work with themselves and kind of how they feel as well because sometimes like depending on their level and depending on you know the amount that they've done maybe over the last few years etc like some women might be able for a little bit more some women might be able to still be in a slight deficit at those times um whereas other women will actually have to go into a surplus at times you know especially maybe in your luteal phase where you you might actually need that surplus and you might um yeah so it, it is quite dependent but I think that that approach is brilliant Paul I think it's really important to understand that you don't need or should be dieting constantly um four weeks in the in the uh, menstrual cycle true yeah and what is your experience then because you're you're a qualified nutritionist what's your views like on just the foods so how do you how do you normally train your girls females for the whole month like what kind what's your good foods bad foods for hormones and that kind of stuff that's always an interesting one yeah well do you know what being totally honest it's just not much different to what i would say to most people and that is to try and get mostly whole nutritious foods in um, at all times regardless of what phase it is in the cycle because being honest with ourselves and you know lots of color lots of protein good fats um, is all going to be beneficial at any phase in the cycle um, I suppose maybe uh, during certain phases we might um, tell I might say to them like say like the luteal phase again I keep bringing that one up but that's the one that people struggle with the most I suppose um, and we'll get a lot of cravings and you'll get a lot of um, carbohydrate or chocolate cravings during this time and I always tell people to listen to their bodies I'm a big believer in listening to your body so if your body is looking for that give it a little bit of it um, and not to be restricting and pulling away from that and normally actually women do tend to even if they're not tracking their cycle which I really do emphasize and try and get them to do but even if they're not tracking we can usually tell what uh, phase they're in just based on those cravings etc um, so I wouldn't say things are hugely hugely different as um during different phases we might have maybe sometimes where um we utilize fats a little bit better sometimes when we utilize carbs a little bit better but in general looking at those um good colors in our diet um our lean proteins fats are a big one that i'm a big big advocate of and it's something that's often eliminated from the diet especially with things like slimming worlds and weight watchers and um, people don't realize um the the implication of having very low fats in your diet um, unfortunately Paul it's something that I've definitely experienced with women in Ireland especially maybe not so much over here I think um, there's a better um, mix of uh, good fats like you know avocados are a normal yes. thing over here nuts seeds um, oily fish it's a lot it's a lot more more normal is probably the best way to put it um, now it's getting better in Ireland definitely when I started out as a nutritionist nine years ago um, I found a huge issue with uh, people not getting in enough good fats um, which has improved over the years but we're still probably not exactly where we should be um, in Ireland but we are improving um, I do think that there is a better um, a better amount of it over here but that is an area that people really neglect you know people talk about carbs and protein all the time but women really really need to um, emphasize uh, good fats in their diet as well it's hugely important What's a good um, What's a good amount of fats for a normal female? Is there... So I would always be trying to get a female to have about fifty grams in their diet, but 
optimally I would like about one gram per kilogram of body weight per day. Um, But um, like that that can be quite difficult initially, no more than trying to get in between 1.8 and two grams of protein. Mm. It can be quite difficult for a woman to go from like maybe three or four grams of fat. Okay, no, that's a big, um, that's a, they won't be going from three or four. Maybe like 10, 15 grams of fat to go straight up to maybe 60, 70 grams of fat. And um, so I would definitely be saying 50 grams anyway. And if we can get to one gram per kilogram of body weight per day, that would be great. Oh yeah, it's just quite, not quite a bit, bit of a jump. It's not a jump, but I suppose a lot of, I try to get my clients in the same. What's what, what your best kind of fats, avocados? Yeah, well, avocado would be a great one then. I suppose nuts, seeds, um, oily fish, um, dark chocolate, would, um, and then just your oils, like your um, olive oil, etc. Oh, so dark chocolate is quite good for fat, so it is? Yes, absolutely. Uh, the higher the percentage, the better in fat, so it is. She didn't realise that at all, no? Yeah, people love being told that. They get so excited. That's smart. So, so compared to normal dairy chocolate, is a huge difference in so higher fats in the dark chocolate. Yeah, and it's it's not that there's necessarily higher fats; it's the type of fat that it is. Um, so in your dark chocolate, you have more uh, polyunsaturated fats as opposed to in your milk chocolate, you'll have a lot of saturated fats. Is that due to the cocoa? Is it? Is that due to cocoa powder or not really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it is. It's the cocoa percentage. So that's why the higher the percentage of um, cocoa, the less crap it has in it, if that makes sense. That'd you know, it sh- doesn't have all the extra milk and the, um, the, the sugars and uh, all the like cream and dairy and stuff. So that'd be such a good snack to have then on someone to say on their, you know, week four, the cycle just there, even week three and four, like a couple Brilliant. of them just to... Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Because we're on that phase, you're looking... What's the general? Is it 100 to 300 calories more, isn't it? So what, yeah. So it'd be good to hear from your point of view what actually happens on that. You know what happens from follicular phase to luteal phase, especially in that week four. That's the biggest one that I try to push out. But be really good to hear from your point of view actually what happens from what you happens what you feel happens. Yeah, so um, it's just the change in, in our hormones. Um, so we have that change in hormones, um, change in estrogen and change in pro- progesterone. Um, so obviously we feel that our recovery is very difficult. Um, we don't feel that we're able to um, recover as well. Our insulin is very uh, high. We feel that our insulin is very difficult to kind of curb and um, we're kind of all over the place with our blood sugars um, and we just feel kind of out of sync because of our um, hormone levels being a little bit all over the place and it's totally dependent again on the individual like sometimes um, their hormone levels dip so much that they are finding um, a huge difference whereas like sometimes if they're a little bit more in sync a little bit more in tune with their bodies they'll feel that there's not as big of a change when it comes to um, that uh, change from the follicular to the luteal phase, sorry from the uh, luteal phase to the follicular phase so and it's you, really that change in hormones and you know as much a difference when you're training yourself weight training in the two in the each month or have you got it under control Uh, That's a great question. I have actually just started recently being very conscious of it, um, but I definitely do feel the difference. Um, I probably wasn't listening to it prior to, say, the last four or five months, um, but there definitely was 
um, uh, there was a discrepancy there. There was a big difference, uh, but I wasn't really listening to it. And I just thought that I was, um, I was able to do anything. Do you know, I thought that I was superwoman. Um, <laughs> but since I've started to tune into that a lot more, what I'm actually finding now is that during the weeks where I can train uh, better, so during my follicular phase and during my ovulation, I actually am getting so much more from my training and uh, because I'm reducing it during, say, my luteal phase and my uh, menstrual phase that I'm finding I can push myself a lot more during my uh, follicular phase and my ovulation. Um, and what I'm seeing is like what I used to do was maybe train five, six times a week every week. But now during my luteal phase, I'll reduce my training to four times a week. I'll reduce my intensity. I'll reduce my weights. I'll reduce my reps. I'll reduce whatever I need to, to keep training, but just not at, at the same rate. Then during my menstrual phase, I'll train about five days a week. But then I can up it during my follicular and my ovulation phase. And I can actually train seven, eight times a week if I want uh, during those times, which I find hugely beneficial because I know... I, I really struggle with this and I have a few clients that struggle with doing less. Um, and I think that if you know that you can go, you can do more and can get more out of other times um, that you won't mind so much doing less during certain phases. Uh, well, that's what I've told myself anyway. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, bargaining with myself. If you do less this week, you're allowed to do more um, in two weeks. So yeah, I definitely have noticed a huge difference in my own training from working with my cycle as opposed to working against it. How does that work? Do you do a lot of CrossFit, don't you? How does that work? How does that work doing CrossFit? Do you have to try taper off the workout yourself? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Um, so unfortunately, two weeks ago, I had bloody test week in my luteal phase. It was so unfortunate. Oh. Like, it could not be worse. It could not be worse. And that's <laughs> second time that's happened it's like he programs into my cycle at the worst time so what I do is like the way we test um is we do a strength the gymnastics and a metcon I didn't do one metcon that week and um, mm -hmm. took out all the high intensity stuff I still went for like heavy um I still went for as heavy as I could but because maybe it was only 10 minutes of training a day um, as opposed to an hour of training a day. It was a lot less for me, even though I know the intensity of it was quite high, but the volume was low and the time was low. And um, mm. so I just felt that that was something that I could do. Um, but in training in general, so that was obviously my testing week, unfortunately, but in training in general, you know, if there's pull-ups in it, I might do ring rows. If there is a 60 kg deadlift, I might go down to a 40 kg deadlift. If Like I'll scale it to myself. Um, in fairness, it's great that I feel I can say that to my coach, which is very important. Mm. Um, and I think that that's actually a really important thing is that you're able to talk to whoever it is that's training you, uh, whoever it is that like is helping you, I suppose. Um, and just be able to say to them, listen, I can't go hell for leather this week. But, you know, give me two weeks and I will give you everything. Um, so it is it's not easy and actually it's harder for me mindset wise as it is than it is for my body because I'm so used to going hard all the time, mm. all the time. Um, so it's actually been a big mindset shift for me to pull back at times. Yeah, so that's why I say my client two years ago, she got injured for the, same, for the exact same reason. And 
you know, as I said, like males have such an easier time because they don't, they can do, get better each week, each week, nothing changes. Whereas females, like they're always have to change. I try to get my clients to do the same as that on that week three and four, especially week four, try to get them just to ease off, maybe do some machine weights and maybe have a higher step count, do some stretch and do a bit of yoga, that kind of stuff. And the ones mm-hmm. that stick to that regime, like they just power on through. Well, it takes yeah. a while, like it takes a while for me to take on someone and the same with you as well as your clients, take on someone because you're trying to reprogram like how they've done everything for the last like 30 years. And they think like, why am I only diet and training for two weeks a month? But unfortunately it's better to go slower than like doing these quick fixes and burn yourself out. And I've noticed a massive increase in a lot of females I've took on over the last couple of months who have actually lost their period because they've had coached before where they've restricted calories down to like a thousand calories. And because of that, they've lost cycle. And that's such a hard thing to come across. Yeah, definitely. What, have you any experience in that? Unfortunately, yes. Um, And do you know what? This can be a really difficult area um, because, again, it's all mindset. So Mm. people just think, um, this is such a good question, I'm actually going to give you um, a perfect example from last week. Um, Because I have a client that is, like, doing amazing. She is doing everything I ask but more. Um, And I've had to try and pull her back, which is really difficult for her because she can't understand why more doesn't get you more results. Um, In her head, it's like, you know, I've programmed for her. I actually, on the higher end, I've programmed for her five days a week and three resistance-based sessions, two running sessions. She has a very good uh, background, a very good knowledge. She has been training for years. So like, you know, five days a week is actually where I wanted her to be. But instead of doing five days a week, she was doing seven um, and she was doubling up certain days. Um, She is quite a small person anyway. So she's only weighing in about 60 kgs as it is. So I had her in a very, very small deficit because I didn't want her calories to go too low. But unfortunately, she still went beyond the calories that I had given her. Um, her fats were very low um, and I had to have like a really hard conversation so she lost her period well I'm not going to say lost it was very late so she was um, coming to a point where her she was her cycle was irregular we'll say um, and if that keeps happening and keeps uh, becoming um, an issue and it keeps getting longer and longer and longer then it will eventually become amenorrhea um, so I had to have a really hard conversation with her um, because God love her. She is just trying so hard and she has a goal in mind and I really want her to get to her goal. But I was trying to explain to her that this this weight loss goal and this um, number that she wants, because there is a number there, um, is it worth losing her period over? Is it worth um, like problem, having problems with her fertility? Um, you know, she's, she's um, a, a mid-30s. Um, I don't know if it's something that she wants, but if it is, uh, then, you know, she's going to be putting herself at risk of having fertility issues. Um, she's also had surgery on her hip. Um, she could be putting herself at risk of low bone density. Um, you know, there's so many risks and issues to not having your period and not having your cycle that is it really worth that number on the scales? Um, and thankfully, we have reversed her um, I've, I've told her to please, please, please have faith in me. Um, she has since got her period back. Um, yes. she's, she's still finding it difficult. She's still mentally in her head. It's 
supposed to be more is more. Um, but we're getting there. We're, we're slowly but surely getting there. And unfortunately, it just is this mentality thing. Um, and that's where I find the most difficult uh, for somebody who has um, very delayed or long cycles um, or is going towards losing their cycle is actually changing their mindset. That is the most difficult thing, without a doubt, is trying to change their mindset, trying to increase calories, trying to reduce exercise. It's very hard for someone. It is. And that's, that's, and how, so what is, the, what is the protocol to reverse that? Is it just a steady calories, fats? What's the... Yeah. So... Um, you're looking at trying to increase that person, well, not regardless of weight, like, you know, if, if they're a very, very slight person, um, you're not going to increase their calories to 2,500 if, you know, they're only weighing mm. in at maybe like two, 45 kilos and their goal is to maintain their weight or weight loss or whatever it may be. Um, but usually they say around 2,500 um, calories and to someone that has actually fully lost their cycle for a significant amount of time, it can be up to 3,500 calories. Um, which like for a female is so it's actually difficult to consume that um, yes. let alone the thought of consuming it um, so yeah it can be anything up to 3,500 calories just less lot of food Christ I know <laughs> I know I know well uh, but the only good thing about that is it is a lot of food but it's also a lot of fats because it's going to be very yes. hard to physically get that in so you're talking about getting it in through maybe like adding oil to your salads um, having um, dark chocolate as a snack, you know, trying to get uh, fats in is going to increase your calories because of the um, of it being like nine kilocalories per gram as opposed to carbs and protein. That's four kilocalories per gram. So I suppose that is going to be the balance out there is going to be that it is going to be higher calories, but it'll more than likely be more fats. What's your experience? I've got a lot of um, female clients who, when like I take them on and cre- increase their calories, and they, like they nearly get shocked. Like that happens. There's this whole thing that just being low calories, whereas I don't think a lot of um, females understand that actually more is probably better. Yeah. Again, it is such a mindset approach, Paul. Unfortunately, and it's this idea of less is more, and uh, or doing more is more, and the less you have, and and it goes back as well to that calorie deficit thing that really pisses me off sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's not just as simple all the time as calorie deficit. Um, like you know, there are a lot of other things that are going on within the body. You can't just think that twelve hundred calories is going to be the best thing for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And depending on the weight that you're at, like you know, I have females who are um, 90 to 100 kilos and giving them 1200 calories you know that, that's like close to impossible and yes. and it's really unhealthy for their body as well because being in a deficit um your calories are calculated based on your bmr your basal metabolic rate and a big influence on that is your weight so if you are um you know 90 to 100 kilos your calories even in the deficit are going to be a lot lot more than somebody maybe 60 kilos um so this roundabout figure of 1200 calories is just crazy um but it is again it's so i know it's difficult for women to comprehend that less is not always better um 
because like we have a certain amount of uh, calories that we need just to be alive. And quite often that 1200 calories goes below that. So therefore you are putting stress on your body. We talked a little bit about Paul, you know, how important um, or how much of an effect stress has on our body. Um, and it really does skew all our hormones within our body, not just our sex hormones, but also um, our stress hormones like cortisol, ad uh, adrenaline and noradrenaline. Um, and that can have a huge impact on weight loss. And quite often, um, if we have imbalances, within these um, stress hormones, it actually can quite often lead to weight gain. And I know that that's where a big stressful area comes yeah. from. And then it's more stress and it's just the cycle continues. It's, yeah, it's, it's hard. That's good because it leads me into my next topic actually about stress because I think you done a post, you done a post yesterday there before, it was mm. a really good post. So I guess it'd be good to hear if you what like stress. Because I know for me, like stress is one thing that my clients don't like, Stress, I do a lot of self-development stuff with my mentor guy and, you know, stress is a hard one. Everyone gets stressed, but for me, like, I'm able to deal with stress now because I'm able to perceive it in a different way. But I guess yeah. for, the, for the average the normal person, like every female, stress just, it just, it comes on so easy. And then with stress, then obviously comes weight gain. So mm -hmm. from you, like, what's your experience with stress and your clients and even for yourself with weight gain and stuff? Yeah. So um, I suppose the first thing to know, note is that stress is not just psychological. And I think that that's a big problem that people perceive is just that like, if you don't feel stressed, then people are like, oh, I'm not stressed. Yeah. But that isn't the case. You know, like we have stresses every day in our lives, even like a bloody hippie who is living out in the middle of nowhere has stresses in their lives. And um, work is a stress in your life. Yes. Uh, commuting is a stress in your life. Um, relationships are a stress in your life. Uh, your exercise is a stress in your life. Not eating enough calories is a stress in your life. Not having enough fats. It's just important to know that just because you don't feel stressed doesn't mean you're not under stress. Mm -hmm. um, what I uh, quite often find is that when I ask people, are they stressed? They either come back to me with yes or no. Um, and in the case of maybe no, well, uh, in the case of yes, people are under so much stress that they actually are way more stressed than they think because they actually feel that stress, but then they're drinking too much coffee because they're not sleeping properly. They're not sleeping properly because their stress hormones are so high and they can't switch off. They get up feeling tired in the morning, so they drink more coffee and we get into this really, really vicious cycle, but they just feel stressed, but their bodies are under huge stress. Mm. Then the people that don't feel stressed they still have certain stresses within their body. You know, maybe a parent, like being a parent is a stress. I know it's a lovely thing and it's a great thing, and but it's a stress. Um, having to cook for your family, having to get up and bring your kids to school, having to, you know, all these are stresses, whether we perceive them as stresses or not, they are stresses on our body. Um, so I suppose uh, having a cycle is a stress, even though we want mm -hmm. that stress. But like, I think that, um, people feel that as soon as they don't feel under stress that they aren't stressed and then the people that feel under stress are actually way beyond more stressed than they think they are and um, what happens when we're stressed is our body is constantly fighting to get a hormonal balance but unfortunately when we're stressed our stress hormones go up all our other hormones go down and they shut off different um they shut off different systems within our body so they shut off things like our they show off things that we don't need for fight or flight. So like if you want to dash off and want to get away from a burning house and um, you 
don't need to use your digestive system. You don't need to use uh, your, you, you need like your respiratory system. You need your muscular system. You need your skeletal system. There's certain systems that we need. There are certain ones that we don't. Um, two in particular, our digestive system and our um, fertility system. So um, I can't even think of the name of the system, of the reproductive, reproductive system. So we don't need the, those two things to get away from a fight or flight. So yes. those two things shut down, unfortunately, um, when we have really, really high stress levels. And that's where um, issues come about, like um, uh, losing our periods or um, having issues with fertility. Um, quite often, someone who is stressed will have a lot of gut motility issues. So they might have um, a severe constipation or the polar opposite. And they might have, you know, certain... Uh, diseases like Crohn's disease or they might get ulcers in their stomach and um, you'll find this with a lot of people with chronic stress issues and um, so yeah it, it it shuts off these systems so if our digestive system is shut down then we're not absorbing foods and um, so we're just uh. kind of yeah so we're not absorbing the way we would want to and that actually quite often happens um, where um, your digestive system shuts down and we, we tend to excrete nearly everything. Um, and a lot of the time we'll end up with maybe micronutrient deficiencies or um, issues with absorption. I, quite fi I, I find quite often people might have issues with absorbing things like fat-soluble vitamins, which can lead to things like blood clotting issues. Or if we can't uh, absorb our vitamin D, uh, we're going to have issues with our uh, bone density. And these are all like, it might seem like one simple thing but it actually has an effect on all our systems and you know it's never just one simple thing when it comes to the body it is always numerous things that are going on it's never just one simple thing and that's why I think this idea of calorie deficit while yes it is important 110 percent there are a lot of other elements to it and um, that sometimes get lost in translation that's so true one you mentioned is vitamin d I think that's one thing that um I try to push my clients, especially back in Ireland, to get vitamin D tablets. Mm -hmm. and, and in New Zealand, there's actually, um, I was talking, had a girl, Claire Goodwin, on the podcast a few months ago, and she was actually telling me that in New Zealand, this is mad, like the way the sun is, the sun is angled at a different way. So a lot of people in New Zealand, especially in the South Island, don't absorb the sun as they would in North Ireland. So, oh, so, so New Zealand, yeah, even though New Zealand is, is a warm place, in the South Island, the sun is tilted a different way, so your body doesn't absorb it as much as North Ireland, which is absolutely crazy. But I'm really big on my clients anywhere, just best back home, is to get vitamin D tablets because I think that's such an mm -hmm. important role. What is, from a nutritionist's point of view, what, why is vitamin D so important? So mainly it is for our calcium absorption. So, um, you know, not being able to absorb calcium does lead to our uh, bone to issues with bone health. Um, and that's uh, another reason why making sure that you have um, your cycle is very important because as we get older, unfortunately, our uh, bone density deteriorates. Um, and if you're not doing resistance-based training and you have a poor diet or you don't have your cycle and all these little bits and pieces all add up, um, then you could end up with something like osteoporosis um, or you know, osteopenia or you know, some sort of bone mineral deficiency. Um, and this is a, an area, I suppose, that a lot of people don't look into because nobody thinks about the future. Um, and I actually just had a client the other day and I was so excited by what he said to me. I was, I was just so excited because he came into me and he was like, 
I just want to be able to do everything in the future. He was like, I want to be able to walk here and there. I don't want to have um, a wheelchair. Like, you know, th this man was about 50 something. And um, I was like, this is so refreshing to listen to because we always think about the here and now, you know, yes. we always want that quick. We always want to look good right now. We want to get to that weight right now. Nobody is looking towards the future. Um, and yeah, I, I'm just a huge advocate of looking towards the future because it mightn't be right now that the vitamin D is helping. Um, mm. Well, it is going to be now, but it really is helping in the future. Um, so like doing these things now are what our future selves are going to be thankful for. Um, but unfortunately, we just don't see it that way. Everybody wants to see the here and now. No, I actually wrote an email that two days ago. I think you're spying on me there, Amanda. I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just want to steal it from you. <laughs> but uh, no, so true. I wrote an email and it was actually about my grandparents. And it was about like, my grandparents are like 78, 79 now. But they're not in the best condition. Like, you know, they can't really walk anywhere. They've, and everything is just like they're really, really stiff. And my, the email, email was about like that. We should be doing stuff for the future. It's not about like, there's no point doing stuff now. But you have to do stuff for like, you know, the future tense. Like mm -hmm. we're kind of we're all we're we're all the the heroes in their own storybook, but like like no one's going to remember you for you know how much money you had or your six pack, but to remember the legacy left behind you. So my whole thing is like that: do the best you can, but always do it for the future. Do it for like I want I want to be like someone that's seventy. I want to be like that ninety five year old granddad that's able to go for runs with his grandkids. Like, and that's what we should be yeah. aiming for. Is that and there's no reason why we can't because you even though your muscle mass and bone density does decrease as you get older, there's still not a massive, you know, if you keep on weight training and keep up your body, yeah. it's good. It's going to preserve us so much longer. And my grandparents are only 78. And like, I remember in the gym in New Zealand, there was a guy in there and he was 70, he was 79 years of age, but like he was bench pressing, like just say 70 kg. And that's, that's insane for someone that age at my granddad's mm -hmm. age. And I think that's so important. What you said is about doing stuff for the future, not for now. Like, and, if we can do stuff now, like get started now and just keep on shipping away slowly but surely and just make it a habit. 100%. And it's yeah. never too late to start. But I feel like sometimes, um, especially women, will feel like, oh, no, I've had my kids now. What's the point in yeah. starting now? Like, you know, I'm 40. I, 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 there's no point in me doing that. Like, yes, there is a point. Like, do you want to uh, be able to have uh, playtime with your kids? Do you want to be able to do things with your kids? Do you want to be a granny and be able to do things with your mm -hmm. grandchildren? Like, that's what I always think about. Like, when I'm doing things now, I'm thinking about the future. I genuinely am. And I know I'm probably one of a minority. But like, you know, I'm not. And I'm also one of these people that like cares about like like you just mentioned grandparents there like I have such my granny is one of the most important people in my entire life and like it's International Women's Day today and she is like honestly my idol um, and I want to do things that like make her proud and I want to do things that like she actually could walk around with me if she wanted you know she is like a great um, idol to have like she's you know it's not like she's been pumping iron in the gym her whole life but she's <laughs> always kept like a healthy um, attitude on life and if anything um, whatever about her physical capacity but her mental capacity is amazing and mm. just the way that she is able to um, just keep such a positive outlook on life and I definitely have inherited a lot of that from her so I really do look towards you know that like 50, 60, 70 or 50, 60, 70 mark. And I'm like, yeah, I want to still be in the gym. I definitely want to be able to, um, you know, go around with my kids and my grandkids and stuff like that. And um, unfortunately, not enough people do that. And that's the sad, 
sad uh, story about it's not enough people do look towards the future it's just all about the here and now things are education isn't it? it all comes back down to like my grandparents my even my dad now my dad's only 57 but he'd have no idea about the gym or about food or he'd have he doesn't know what a carb or a protein or fat is and he doesn't know the difference in dining and even the gym like there's just no there's not enough probably education out there from it like and it's kind of it's sad really that it's every now is like so as you says here and now it's about you know you have the two sides like the fit the fit the fitness and you have the kind of other side and it's kind of one extreme to the other i think especially back my family they're a great example of like them not knowing enough about the future i've got mm-hmm. clients at the moment who are like in their 50s and they're just loving life because they're getting stronger their bodies are changing and that's just so like powerful whereas back home like you kind of you get to a certain age you kind of give up it's like oh i've had my kids now I just sit back and go to the pub every night, you know, have 15 points. And that seems to be that, that seems to be the mentality here, like in yeah. the world, isn't it? Whereas I think, yeah. living, I think living, especially around this Bondi area, Coogee, Ranwick area, there's a different, and even New Zealand, there's a different lifestyle. Like people older, a lot healthier. That's what I found is like living over here, whether it's the sunshine, whether it's just the way they've been educated. But I know it's, the schools are big here for like what to do, isn't it? Like they're Yeah. Schools. Yeah. Yeah, do you know what? Like, it's it's just normal to eat well. It's normal to exercise. Like, it's nearly abnormal to not have a gym membership or not do some sort of training, not have a personal trainer, and um, not understand nutrition. You know, a lot of people come to me and they're like, I don't have a clue about nutrition, Amanda. And I'm like, why should you have a clue? Like, you know, we're not educated enough on it. We get a little bit of education, but like, that's my job is to help you and to educate you on it. Um, But there's not enough education in Ireland, unfortunately, with it. Um, Whereas I feel that they are a lot more educated over here, definitely. And like, again, um, going back to what you said, it is a lot of um what the societal norms are like when we were growing up like our parents didn't do these things so therefore like we kind of had to make our own and like you know choose to do these things because if you were brought into it you were only brought in i only ever seen exercise for sport or weight loss there was yes. never such a thing as go to the gym do it for enjoyment i even remember myself seeing this girl running around the pitch one day and i was like why is she running around? Like, she doesn't need to lose weight. And like, this was back maybe when I was like, maybe 17, 18. But like, it was either you played sport or you um, exercised to lose weight. Whereas like the perception over here is, you know, you exercise for health, you exercise for the longevity of it. Like, as you were saying about a 79 year old man, Jim, and like, I have clients from every age group, you know, I have clients from bloody 17 to 70. And they're well able, absolutely well able, because they've constantly done something um yeah it's it's a different it's a different uh, ball game over here i think at times anyway definitely but it's getting better at home it, it is, is getting yeah. better. it is and so from that then next question was what's your what's your thoughts on like you know supplements like so um is it better you know you have your proteins or you have all that stuff or obviously whole food is better but what is the big difference in like just say i get asked a lot as like just a protein powder and like chicken and steak what the big differences in the two of them if you were to get supplements or whole food great question um okay sorry i just need to find my charger um the main difference there's not really i suppose a difference from a um a protein perspective you know protein is protein you're getting it from 
a whole food, you're getting it from um, a supplement. I always am a believer, always have been, always will be in real food first. Uh, but quite often, it is a lot more convenient to go for a protein shake. So say it maybe after the gym, you've just trained. I have a lot of clients who train like maybe 5, 6 a.m. in the morning. Um, are they going to come home and, sorry. Are they going to come home, make a big, I don't know, a big uh, breakfast um, and then go to work? Probably not. So they're probably just going to maybe have a quick protein shake after training. Um, I used to, I have a lot of clients at home, well, not at the moment, but um, that maybe are football training and they might live an hour away from training. So the very, very convenient for them to down a protein shake. I have some vegetarian clients who really, really struggle to hit their um protein targets and um, so a protein shake may be ideal for them but should you be having it just for the sake of it no um, and is it better or worse it's not better or worse but you are missing out on a lot of other nutrients that come from maybe like a chicken breast or a fish fillet or um, an egg you know there's a lot of other things in there uh, plus a lot of um, whey proteins and stuff do have a lot of you know extra stuff in them like sweeteners mm -hmm. and sugars and things like that as well so I'm a big big believer in real food first but there is a time and a place um, for protein supplements and they're not nice. sorry I was just going to say because some I think this perception has gone but like they're like they're not bloody steroids you know sometimes people are yes. like no 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 I wouldn't take them like they're not steroids and um, sorry go on with your question that's so true and I was just going to ask you what's the, like obviously some a lot of females or even general people find it hard to get protein from food what's the biggest proteins that um, contains in food um so the the best sources like yeah. of uh, yeah so um i would be a big uh, fish advocate um mm. i i'm not into diets i tell people you know to work their food into uh, what suits their lifestyle but if i were to say that there's a there's a very good diet template it would probably be like a mediterranean diet which mm. is quite high in um you know fish um white fish oily fish they're very very high in protein and then we have our uh, lean meats like our chicken and turkey and um, prawns are a really good source um, eggs are a fantastic source they're so versatile they're so easy um, mm. and the whole nonsense about um, them being high in cholesterol and contributing to cholesterol has all been stopped now thank god um, so they're all great and um, then our dairy as well if you're able to tolerate dairy quite often I do find people um, have uh, difficulty in uh, digesting dairy and um, so uh, our Greek yogurts are brilliant uh, tins of tuna are fantastic um, they would kind of be your main I suppose animal based ones and um, if you're going towards a vegetarian based one um, I would be I'd, I'd eat tofu there's temp and there is mm, lentils chickpeas they're all like they're all I won't consider them sources of protein. They'll add and they'll contribute to protein in your diet. Um, but they do have quite a lot of carbs in them. So when I say a protein source, I'm talking about kind of majority of it is protein, if that makes sense. So um, I'd be a big advocate of if you were making like a curry uh, to have maybe some prawns and have a vegetarian and a, an animal-based protein. So vegetable and animal-based to increase the protein. Um, and it's not that there's anything wrong with chickpeas or lentils or beans or anything like that, but they do have a lot of carbs in them as well. So I would consider them a carb and protein source as, to, mm -hmm. as opposed to just a protein source, if that makes sense. Um, beef, pork, lamb all our red meats as well are a great source of protein 
So moving on from then, carbs then, from, your, from, your, from what you study, why do carbs make you hold water weight? What's the link between carbs making you hold that water weight? Um, so it's just within the cell. So it's just intracellularly that um, they, they tend to hold on to the water. Um, it's, it's a chemical reaction, being totally honest, mm. um, but it just tends to hold on to that water within the cell, um, which again, that goes back to the frustration mm. levels of when we um, are up in weight for some uh, specific reason. I had a girl actually just recently, um, and this is also another important reason as to why calories, they are calories, but I'll explain what I mean. So she was within her calories, um, her protein was down and her carbs were way up and she went up by like 500 grams. And that is because she was storing water with those carbs. Um, it was not that uh, it was fat because it wasn't. She did not gain fat over that time. She couldn't understand why she had put up 0.5 a kg, but it was just the distribution of her uh, macros were different to what she's normally used to. So her protein was lower, her carbs were higher. Therefore, um, she was storing a little bit more uh, water and her weight went up. So that is how simple fluctuations can be um, from week to week, from day to day uh, within women. And that's what in men as well, to be fair, because it's not just women that um, increase, uh, that, that store water within um, their cells for carbs. Sure, so it's like, it's like people love the keto diet because you know, you're cutting out your carbohydrates, but as soon as you go back on having carbs, it's, it's, not, it's not fat, that's the biggest thing, it's like what, fat and weight, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Do you do much of people, women with, with PCOS? Um, so, yeah, I actually have two clients at the moment um, with PCOS um, because it's just become a lot more common, I suppose. Yes. Um, I probably wouldn't have worked with too many clients on it. Um, and do you know what? I could have, and they're just too uncomfortable or didn't want to tell me because that's another issue. Um, sometimes people just aren't happy or comfortable talking about these things. It's so it's common though. It's just that I've got um four clients who are going through the same, and they still get the same results, but it's just harder for them to, because so sometimes you might have to have um some of the PCOS as low as twelve hundred calories to get that same rate as someone else. But I think for them, just from your point of view, what's the what's the process in PCOS? Like what's good foods, what's not good foods? So especially when it comes to insulin resistance, that's probably the biggest one I have written down is PCOS with insulin resistance. What's the kind of yeah. naysays and. That's a great question. Um, and I suppose with this, um, this can be quite difficult for people. And um, I actually, one of my clients that came to me maybe about four or five weeks ago, um, and she could not understand why she wasn't losing weight. You know, she had tried all of these things, but she had tried them alone. And to be fair, she came to me with a very good fitness level. She came to me with a very good nutrition level. You know, she did, she actually was eating very, very well. Um, she had a lot of whole foods in her diet. It wasn't that she was going from a very processed diet to, uh, change in a lot of things around from my perspective what I see with a lot of uh, these women is that they're and it's because of the western diet I suppose um, is that they do have quite a large amount of carbohydrates in their diet so what you're really trying to do I suppose is stabilize um, your uh, your blood sugar levels uh, that has a that has a main impact on it so what I tend to do with my clients is reduce their carbohydrate intake increase their fat intake and that's going to have um, a big a, a big difference within their uh, body anyway because again quite often they have very low um fats so their hormones are probably all, well their hormones are imbalanced with pcos and um, so this is going to help kind of 
balance out their hormones a little bit and it's also going to help with that insulin resistance and um, so that's the main thing i found has been a big changer and um, yes they are going to have to go a little bit lower in calories as well which is quite frustrating and um, but it depends on how long they are in this for if that makes sense so you know if you're trying to get them results in 12 weeks then yes, they are going to have to go a little bit lower in calories. But if they're in it for the long haul and they're like, no, do you know what, Amanda? I'm happy enough to like give this the year. And um, then I'm just going to bring their deficit to a, a lower, a little bit lower deficit than maybe a normal person at that weight. Um, but I think the biggest difference that I've seen and the biggest changes that I've made has probably been to the distribution of carbohydrates and fats within their diet and keeping that high protein. Such a good way to explain it. Yeah, thanks. And I guess the next thing before I leave is, what would be your biggest advice for any females out there, either starting or in the journey now? What's your biggest advice? Um, I would try and focus on the journey, try and enjoy the journey, and focus on performance as opposed to aesthetics at all times. Um, Really try and enjoy the journey because we are actually so lucky to be healthy and fit and be able to do this. Um, that like sometimes we take away from the enjoyment by having this goal and being so rigid and so um, hard set on it um, that we do actually forget to enjoy the journey and that is a really really big part um, so that would probably be my biggest uh, word of advice start enjoying the journey focus a little bit more on your performance and other elements other aspects your energy how you're feeling how you're looking um, as opposed to just a scale weight or uh, uh, clothes size so what is your bag of information there, Amanda? Oh, jeez, I'm, I'm so I'm on edge now afterwards. I just wasn't <laughs> anticipating this. I thought it was just going to be a little chat, me and you, like a little chat. But anyway, it, was so, so. it was so good, though. There was a lot of knowledge there. But I guess how can people find you if you want to look you up or find you, follow you, where can they find you? Um, so I am Coach McLoon on my social medias. I actually have to change my uh, Facebook one um, because it's still clean, lean sports girl. So you'll probably find me on either or uh, <laughs> Coach McLoon on my Instagram, which is where I'm probably most active. That was so good. That was great to have you on. Thank you. And hopefully um, people will learn laughing this, which they will. Yeah, thanks a million. Great stuff. <laughs>